Fred Craddock is a retired preacher and retired preaching professor. He tells the story of a time when he was pastoring in Tennessee. There was a girl about seven years old who would come to their church, was taken to their church on Sunday mornings. And the parent, they had a circular drive so the parents could come and drop off their children and then go get coffee or whatever they wanted to do. And then they could come back on the circular drive and pick up their child after church. The couple was very faithful about bringing their daughter. They had moved from New Jersey with a new chemical plant in the area, and the husband was upwardly mobile, as Craddock describes it. They were both very ambitious. They didn't go to church, but they just sent their daughter to church. Well, on Saturday nights, the whole town knew of their parties. They gave parties not just for entertainment, but as a part of this upwardly mobile movement. And that is what determined who was invited, the right people, the one just above, on up to the boss. Parties were full of drinking, the parties were full of wild and vulgar things. Everybody knew about their parties, but still on Sunday mornings, there would be the little girl at church. One Sunday morning, Craddock looked out, and the girl was sitting with two people, and he thought, well, that must be some friends of their family. Come to find out, it was her mom and dad. after, After the sermon, at the close of the service, he gave an invitation, as is his tradition and ours, an invitation to discipleship, and Mr. and Mrs. Mom and Dad came to the front. They confessed their faith in Christ and wanted to join the church. So he had this conversation with them. Afterwards, he said, what prompted this? He said, and they said, well, do you know about our parties? He said, yeah, I've heard about your parties. And they said, well, we had one last night. And it got a little loud and it got a little rough and there was too much drinking. We waked our daughter And she came downstairs to about the third step. She saw that we were eating and drinking, and she said, Oh, can I say the blessing? God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Good night, everybody. And then she went back upstairs, and the people who were at the party began saying, Oh, my land, it's time to go. We've got to be going. We've stayed way too long. And within two minutes, the room was empty. Mr. and Mrs. Mom and Dad began cleaning up, picking up crumpled napkins and wasted and spilled peanuts and half sandwiches and taking empty glasses on trays to the kitchen. And with two trays, they met each other on opposite sides of the sink. And they looked at each other, and he expressed what both were thinking. Where do we think we're going? The moment of truth. From the outside, this couple appeared to be connected with everything Americans idolize. They had money, they had popularity, they knew how to provide others with a memorable party. Their daughter's prayer was like a power surge that flipped the circuit breaker and knocked out the power. So it was in the darkness that they 
began to see. They began to see the connection that they were missing. Now, I I think they must have known something about, they must have realized that something was important about church and about God because they would religiously, pardon the pun, take their daughter to church. When they saw then how God had changed her, and when they were invited to unify their hearts with the heartbeat of God, they responded with humility, with repentance, and new life began. The theme of Jesus' prayer, as Linda said, is unity. We get to eavesdrop on Jesus' side of his conversation with his Father. And as we do, we hear Jesus describing the oneness that he feels with his Father. He says, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. Hear that connection? That unity? The history of the church shows an amazing amount of disunity when it comes to the unity of Jesus and the Father. An early council in Nicaea, which is currently Turkey, brought together Christians from all over the Roman Empire to establish a unity of belief. So obviously they were, they were having controversy if they had to come up with something they all believed in. And I thought it was interesting in this, um, the hymn that we learned today, Many Are the Light Beams, it was written by Cyprian of Carthage in 252. So Cyprian, just two centuries after Jesus, was writing about the unity of the church and unity with Christ. And so then, less than 100 years later, we have this council at Nicaea in 325, And they're trying to decide, was Jesus literally the divine Son of God, or was the title figurative, as if Jesus was among other scriptural sons of God? So here's the beginning of the first Nicene Creed developed from this council. Listen for the response to the controversy. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of things visible and invisible. And in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begotten of the Father, the only begotten, that is, of the essence of the Father, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father. Do you hear how they're responding then to that crisis of unity in the church so that they may be one as we are one. That's what Jesus prayed a few verses earlier in this prayer in John 17. So Jesus describes his unity with God the Father in this prayer, but that's not the only unity that's important to him or to us. His theme of unity expands when Jesus prays, I ask not only on behalf of these, those gathered, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. 
During a children's message at another church, a pastor was speaking to the children about the need for unity in the church. And so he looked at them and trying to emphasize God wants us to be one. And one of the youngest, who was four years of age, protested, I've already been one. I want to be five. (laughs) Unity is not something that we attain once and then we forget about it. Just like any good, in any good relationship, unity takes attention and consistent work. An article in Reader's Digest called What Good is a Tree explained that when the, trees, when the roots of trees touch, that a battle for dominance ensues unless... Unless there's a substance presence, present that reduces competition. So there's this fungus that they have discovered, which helps link roots of different trees, even trees of different species, so that a whole forest may be linked together. If one tree has access to water, and another has access to nutrients, and then a third has access to sunlight, the trees have the means to share with one another. That's a great image for us about how a bunch of differing believers can find unity despite our very diverse selves. Sometimes we feel like dissimilar species, like these trees. Our tastes in music vary, our doctrines vary, our interests vary. But among us, there can be this underlying unity for which Christ prayed and for which we pray. When we are linked to Christ and by Christ, we not only support each other, we give each other life. Jesus said, I ask not only on behalf of these, but on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. There's unity between Jesus and his Father. There's unity between Jesus and the 11 disciples who were gathered around the table at this Last Supper as Judas was likely on his way to get his bribery money for betraying Jesus. And then thirdly, there's unity between Jesus and us, those of us who believe because the disciples preached in his name. Those of you familiar with the Star Trek series may recall that Vulcans, like Mr. Spock, have the ability to share thoughts and memories and even emotions. Remember this? You know what it's called? Mind meld. The Vulcan mind meld. And so in his prayer, Jesus issues an invitation to a a similar type of communion of thoughts and memories and emotions, but he doesn't have to do the really weird thing with his hand to make it happen. He prays, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. It's an interesting turn of phrase there. We talk about Jesus being in us. We sing, since Jesus came into my heart, 
And yet here Jesus is talking about us melding with him and the Father. Jesus prayed for a unity, a community. And we decide whether that means anything to us. What do we do with that? What difference does it make? Well, it makes a difference every day. Like the little girl who brought the blessing home to her parents and changed their lives, we take the blessing of unity in Christ with us every single place we go. To the pharmacy, to the cleaners, to the plumber, to the office, to the wait staff at every restaurant. The woman who cut my hair the other day worked at Burger King when she was in high school, and she said she dreaded working Sundays because that's when the church people come in and they were the rudest ones. Can you believe? That's terrible. Yeah, and, and we're we're good here in the walls. Aren't we? <laughs> oh, don't fight in church. Don't say, we can't say that in church. And yet when we leave here, we feel this you know, newfound freedom, I guess, to go and be just like the rest of the world. That's a problem. It's a problem with unity. We're not experiencing fully then our unity with Christ. It's not carrying over into the rest of our lives. But I have a contrast to tell you about, and I've been given permission to share a recent and local example. The Evelyn Townsend Mission Circle invited us to bring in items um, for households to be donated to the YWCA that helps women who've had a hard time in their life, their women's abuse shelter. And so... Recently, Sandra and Evelyn and Benna Scholes were in line at Walmart to pay for the selections from the money that you had donated and, um, and the circle was donating. And then a lady in line behind them asked if these items were for a charity or a church or a fundraiser. And Evelyn explained who they were and who the items were for and why they were buying them. And the woman reached in her purse, took out a $20 bill, and handed it to them. And when she handed them the money, she had tears running down her face. And they hugged her. They talked with her for a few moments. They thanked her and wished her God's blessings. And in that conversation, she said that many years ago, she had been in that same position as these abused women. So she knew what they were facing. She wanted to help them. And so our missionaries went the next day and used her money, her $20, to buy needed sheets for the center. And then week before last, they delivered the, to the YWCA the things that you had donated as well as the things that they had bought through the money donated. And the folks at the YWCA were very grateful for these gifts. And so you see what happens then when the unity that Christ has created Because of his unity with God the Father, that unity is within us. And then we carry it out into the world. Unity is interwoven with love in these few verses from the prayer. And love, I think, is unity expressed in action. We 
in our unique and diverse ways are invited and commanded to carry that unity forth out into the world, even at Burger King. Carry it out and show others the love of Christ. Let's pray. Generous God, you do give us so many things, and we pray for a shift in our lives if we need that, a shift to repentance, a shift to humility, a shift to goodness, to gratitude for all that you have given us. Open our hearts and our lives, O God, and live through us, we pray. In the name of Christ, amen.